0: To keep Terry Schiavo alive is being played out on the national stage, but every day Americans make these life and death decisions with (laughs) dignity without the courts, Congress, or the president. Elizabeth Cohen visited a family near Atlanta, Georgia that made a decision on its own painful terms. An ordinary home in an ordinary American neighborhood. (laughs) Ed Davis is dying. It's clear the end is near. And so this past Friday, Ed's children and grandchildren came to say goodbye. They let us share these intimate moments because they wanted to be an example of how to die with love and with dignity.
1: i'm not I'm not concerned about the cancer. I'm not concerned about dying.
0: Cancer was diagnosed just a month ago, so advanced that Ed's surgeons could offer no help.
1: It was in my liver and my pancreas and possibly other parts of the body.
0: Doctors offered chemotherapy and dialysis for his ailing kidneys, but they made it clear these treatments would not buy Ed Davis much time, and what little he would have would be unpleasant. So Ed said no.
1: We're supposed to die. We're not supposed to live forever. And if you're living on artificial means, you're not really living. You're just existing.
0: Ed Davis has spent his 84 years a happy man. He's had the love of his wife, Chris, and their three sons and their families. He chose to live these last remaining days at home, with care from hospice and love from his family and friends. As a man of faith, he wanted one thing, to spend one last Sunday in church.
1: I just got to thinking of, uh I might not, not, might not ever get to go to church camp. I would like to have that last time.
0: But one last Sunday in church seemed pretty unlikely last Friday. The family took turns sitting by his side, feeding him, thanking him for his love and hoping he'd get you that one last wish. <laughs> you just be your sweet, lovable self, I and mean, everything will be fine. And, uh, Over well, the I'm weekend, the Davises good. talked about old times. They've been married for 61 years.
1: But well, she's a country girl, for sure. I had to put shoes on her when oh. we got married. <laughs> <laughs> three children
0: for most three of the weekend, the family told stories. Well, so. They laughed and shared their yeah, love.
1: I don't have a thing to worry about with this girl. She's going to be a fine woman.
0: But Saturday was rough for the Davises.
1: We really weren't sure he was even going to make it through the night.
0: But he did. And on Easter Sunday, his last wish came true. All
1: right, there we go.
0: Mr. Davis took communion, his faith steady, an example of grace and dignity. Father God, we're so thankful for for it. Lord his courageous witness for you. Mr. Davis, you said you you really wanted to go to church. Now you've been. How do you feel? Fulfilled. Fulfilled by the love of his family, and by living out his last few days exactly as he wanted.
1: It's not hard to make a decision like this when you're 84 years old, lived a good life, and raised a fine family. Uh, of course, it's not always easy to leave, but we have to do that. We cry like this when we, when we go on a trip. So <laughs> that's where I'm going, It's on a trip. I'm going to take the rest of uh, my life and be with the Lord in Heaven.
0: Ed Davis died Sunday night, just hours after we spoke, surrounded by his family, in his own home, at peace. What a beautiful and courageous man. Elizabeth Cohen reporting.
2: Last week, Brad showed me that video on a Wednesday and uh, it immediately changed what I was going to focus on today. Um, when was it? Brad, is that 10 years ago or 13 years ago? 2005. 2005. 2005. Yeah, you looked a lot younger. So. <laughs> You're crying. I thought I'd try and help, you know, laughter. <laughs> somebody said something about smile and laugh. Um, Ed Davis, wa- Brad's father, was someone that I never met. I never got to meet your dad, and uh, <laughs> that's my loss, obviously, uh, but his faith in his future with Jesus is what we celebrate today, amen? That's what we're here for. That's the beauty of being a Christian and having eternity before us and having this hope beyond hope. After the, the, the Saturday, I guess it looked pretty bad that he wasn't going to be able to make it to that Sunday but he did and he got to take communion one more time and we're gonna celebrate communion today as well. I love what his answer was when the reporter got got asked him how he felt and he said, fulfilled. I feel fulfilled. When you're 84, it isn't hard to make the decision that I made and I also like the part, the, the part that really struck me when he showed it to me was the on a trip part. I'm just going on a trip, and, and it cracks me up that, you know, we cry like this when we, just when we go on vacation. it's You know, it's <laughs> I'm going on a trip. I'm going on a journey to be with my Lord and Master Jesus. And then Ed Davis passed away. On this Easter Sunday, on this day, the day that we celebrate... The resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I'm reminded that we are only travelers in this world. That this is not our home. It's a fact that Ed Davis understood and illustrates very well. He understood I don't need to hang on to you know to every thread. I'm ready to go to be with my Savior. And the passage for this morning I'm going to is from the message. It's First Peter 2. I'm going to read from the message beginning at verse 11. Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. See, we have an incredible hope in Jesus Christ. We have this hope for here, this hope for for an eternity and it's like there's a beacon of light that shines upon us and hopefully shines through us so that others can see and sense that this is not all there is, that there is more and they can they can reach out into the new life that God offers to all of us. The video of of Brad's father spoke powerfully to understanding that he was on a trip. This was not his home. He was going to be here for a period of time, and then he was going to go into an eternity that was prepared for him. And it's that kind of faith and that kind of hope we have available to us today, each and every day when we wake up and we take that first breath. But we don't often get to see it lived out quite as clearly as it was at the end of Ed's life. Friends, this is not your home, so don't make yourself cozy in it. That's a powerful statement for us as believers. This is not your home. Don't make yourself so cozy in it that you're unwilling to be uncomfortable to be among other people and to reach people who need to be reached out to. See, when we're able to recognize that this is not our true home, then we're able to let go of some stuff. Our idea of success can change from accumulation of material goods to impacting people's lives, from being all about ourselves to being focused on helping others. See, John Wesley had this right. He said when it came to money and and goods, he said, with money, make all you can, save all you can. Why? So that you can give all you can. Yeah, make money, but don't make it just for yourself. Make it so it makes a difference in other people's lives. You have an opportunity to do that. There's a lot of folks who, who need the touch of Christ that need, that need some help in this world, that need to understand they're not alone. Another thing that we can do is begin to, to realize when we get this eternal perspective that getting my way all the time is not the focus. It's not really the focus. Sometimes it's good to let other people have their way and to learn how to serve others. Uh, we, this is Holy Week, and on Thursday we, we looked at the foot washing and that the, their master, their rabbi, came in and he washed his disciples' feet. That was not done. It just wasn't done. And yet he did it to show us that the goal is not to lord it over people. The goal is to serve others. We talked about this morning at the sunrise service, Mary, and that Jesus turned that common understanding on its head again. Women were not allowed to follow a rabbi, yet yet Jesus had multiple women following him. And who's the first one that finds that the empty tomb? Mary, a woman. If you're going to make up a story back then, you don't do that. You don't do that. Their, their, their testimony wouldn't have counted. You would have had Pilate or some man who had position and status should have been the one to f- to find the empty tomb. And they got the story wrong, apparently, because they had Mary, a woman of all things, find the tomb. Can, I know. Ginger's giving me that look like, be careful. <laughs> 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 this... <laughs> Andy, I know it well. <laughs> this is not that time. <laughs> we are in a new era. Um, but we can let some, when we get this different understanding of, of our life here, then we can live differently. We should live differently. When we are touched by, this, by the, the, the living God, we will not be the same. This morning, when he calls your name, when Jesus calls your name, you are not going to be the same; it changes everything. My friend Mark Ruiz has passed away. Um, he w- we worked together in Hall County. He was he worked for pretrial services as an officer there, and I was the director of treatment services with with drug courts and DUI courts and all that kind of stuff. And um, we would play guita- we played guitars, how we kind of connected, and and we were both Christian in a government setting, so we would commiserate about that sometimes, um, but he contracted cancer and he had a great question and some of you have heard me mention this before but the question that he would ask whenever he faced anything is what is the eternal significance of this? what is the eternal significance of whatever I'm going through? and it's a powerful question uh, because it can get our perspective and our perception to change so when he was going through cancer what is the eternal significance of going through cancer? and his answer to that was none. It has a temporary significance, obviously. He's got to go through treatment. He's got a physical significance in the things that he's going through in, in this life. And, he, and for Mark, he went into remission. His cancer came back. He, went in, he battled it for years. So it had a significance here, but an eternal significance. It had no impact. He was secure, like Ed, he knew where he was going when this life was over. And when we go through things in this life, it's important that we be willing to ask that question because when I look at my finances and when I look at the things that I go through and, you know, my history with depression and those kind of things, when, I, when those start to get down, what is the eternal significance of this? And I can be reframed into, well, you know what? Maybe I don't need to make it a big deal. Maybe it's not. And sometimes we get wrapped up in stuff. What's the eternal significance of this chair?
1: Hold you in church.
2: <laughs> it ain't going <laughs> to keep you in church. It'll hold you up in church, maybe. What's the eternal significance of having a Lamborghini? Go faster? That's not eternal. None. None. So, so as we look at living life, remember, that we, this is not our home. <laughs> our home is somewhere else. And we start to ask this question, we can begin to reframe things. What is the eternal significance of Lynn Mulvey's soul? Hopefully I'll be spinning it is yeah. he going to be spinning it up there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. W- investing in the lives of others has eternal significance. Got it? Makes sense. Say that with me. Investing in the lives of others has eternal significance. God will use you and use me in ways that we don't know. I've preached enough sermons and and taught enough groups and classes to tell you that when people come up and say, man, when you said that to me, that was the most awesome thing. And in my head, I'm going, I didn't say that. I don't say that out loud anymore, you know. (laughs) Because I, I used to go back and listen to the recording or listen to something and, s- and go, did I actually say that? And it's like, no. God did something. And I don't know how he does that kind of stuff, but that happens. What we say and the interaction that we have, He'll be and when he's in the midst of that, it can be changed into what the Holy Spirit wants to do with that instead of what Mike wants to do because I will limit it. God will not. God is unlimited powerful, will change everything in a heartbeat. And this eternal significance, that's what Easter gives us. That's what today's celebration is all about. Because God rose from the grave, because Jesus broke the bonds of death, we have an eternity before us. We don't have to get locked into all the stuff of now. We will sometimes because we're human, but we don't have to, and we can let go of that and live into that eternity, making a difference in other people's lives. It sets us free as nothing else can. It's the freedom that of the cross. It's the freedom that comes when we turn it over to Jesus. And I get why the skeptics question the resurrection on its face. Talked about this this morning. It's what we are claiming is crazy. Right? What are we claiming? What happened? Died. Really died. As in on a cross dead. Romans checked him, poked him with the spear, dude's not breathing, gone. Women, Mary in fact was one of them at the cross, took him down, they took him down, took him to a tomb, put a big stone in front of it so that nobody would steal the body. But he was really dead, put in the tomb, the tomb is empty. Now is that rational? No, you can say it out loud, it's okay. Is it rational? Does it make sense? No, no it doesn't make sense. It, it, how, okay, how many times in your life have you seen somebody dead get up and, and be, you know, be walking around the next day and come up to you and say, hey, what's up? My, mine is currently zero. Um, I've <laughs> get to experience that. Uh, yeah, it's, what we're claiming is really outlandish. On its face, it doesn't make any sense. And without any evidence, this story would have died a long, long, long time ago. Here's the thing, though. Whether you think the Bible is God's word or not, because some folks don't, and that's a valid position. What you cannot rationally say is that the Bible does not say what its writers intended to say. In the gospel stories, c- we have fragments and manuscripts within a generation of their writing. That means that legend and that kind of thing, which works its way in often over hundreds of years, there isn't hundreds of years. The writer's intent is what we have. So you can say, I just don't want to believe that. And okay. But you can't say legitimately that it's not, <laughs> they didn't say what they wanted to say. And that means that there's an interesting piece to this puzzle because in Scripture, in that New Testament, it says over 500 people witnessed a resurrected Jesus. Over 500, 512 at least. And here's what that means. So if we had, because there's like, how many? There's 720 of us in here this morning. (laughs) I know that doesn't mean anything to you, but on the tape it's going to sound great. Where was I? 512. If each one that witnessed the resurrection of Christ just came up and gave 15 minutes of testimony, just 15 minutes, we would be here the rest of today into tonight. And then we wouldn't be leaving. We'd still be here tomorrow. I'm not sure what we'd do. I guess we'd order out for food because we'd be here Monday. During the day, into the night, and by the way, you might as well just get comfortable, because we're going to be here Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, all day as well, 15 minutes, for each person can't go beyond it, so Caden can't speak, (laughs) (laughs) and sometime Friday morning, we would be wrapping up, that's a lot of witnesses, some of y'all are court people, That's a lot of witnesses. It would take over 128 straight hours just to hear for 15 minutes the testimony of those who saw the resurrected Christ. If you're a skeptic this morning, I encourage you to honestly examine and explore. Go for it. But I do mean honestly. Usually skeptics have had a bad experience either with the church or with another Christian. Try to set that aside. Honestly, seek God. Seek to explore what we have in Scripture, what, what's there. Because I think in that exploration, you're going to find God. God shows up. To those of us who've already chosen, I want to remind you of something. This is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. See, this is your identity. Can you see that? Will you read that with me? But you, and let me stop you just a second. Instead of you, say I. But I am a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. See, this is who you are. Not what what others or the world or whatever the distractions that are trying to give you a, a message to beat you up. It's not who you are. You are This, you are a chosen generation. The message says, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference that he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Remember, we were once... There was the Jews and the Gentiles, the chosen and the unchosen. Now we are all one. We are brought together. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, no differences. You are a child of the living God. And we're called to be a participant in this world. We're not supposed to be of the world. But we're called to be a participant in this world. And you've heard me describe this place of ministry. So I finally put together a graphic that sort of illustrates it as best I can. The world. We're supposed to be in the world, right? But not of the world. So the church is in the world. And that's us, but the church, we're not of the world, so we are distinct. But what tends to happen in the church is that instead of staying at the borders, we go into the center my three little stick people? That represents more than three. But that's what we do. We end up insulating ourselves from the world. We're not supposed to be insulated from the world. Seven hundred and twenty. Then where we're supposed to be, though, <laughs> is where the, where the, where the world and the church meet. We meet at the margins. It's where Jesus did his ministry. He was active in the world. He made a difference in people's lives. And, and that's a little square, but you can envision that we're in the world all over. That's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be active with people making a difference in folks' lives. One of the reasons that we're trying to develop this coffeehouse model is not just to have a coffeehouse, it's because we need to create places where the secular world and the sacred world can have a conversation. And it doesn't have to be a coffee. It doesn't matter what it is. It's a place where we can come together and, and, you know, just hang out, build relationship, and watch what God does. That's what it's about. That's the direction that we're wanting to go. Let me close with this. For God so loved the world. You familiar? He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And I believe that the next verse is every bit as important as that one. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. That's why Jesus came. Not for condemnation, for salvation. This love of God is, is... Incredible, it's a love that Ed Davis knew at the end of his life, certainly knows now as he's with Jesus, but it's a love that's available to all of us, even today. I invite you into that love this morning. We're going to celebrate communion together, and I'll be over by the cross if you would like for me to pray with you for anyth- anything that you have going on in your life. You're struggling with something or you just want prayer or you know you don't know the Lord and you want to know more about that I'll just be over here for that but we're going to celebrate communion and as you do on this Easter Sunday celebrate the love that God has for you that you are a chosen people and a royal priesthood amen